Hi, I'm Gillian Doherty, the CEO of The Data Lab. It's an absolute pleasure uh, to be joined today by two fantastic uh, people and wonderful advocates and leaders in the world of AI. And I'm delighted to welcome Tabitha Goldstop, the chair of the UK AI Council, and Sana Karangani, the head of the Office of AI. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Gillian. It's really great to be here with you. Do you know, it's great to to be here with you. And the only thing that would make it better if we were together in person, but we're soon. not. <laughs> soon, hopefully really, really soon. Um, and look, we're going to have a great chat um, in the next 20 minutes, half an hour or so. Uh, the three of us have met probably lots of times over the last few years, maybe not in the last year, but certainly before that, and, and explored lots of really interesting topics and, and challenges and opportunity. Um, yes. But first of all, it would be really great to let our listeners hear a little bit about you and the work you do. So, so Tabitha, can you give us an overview of the mission of the AI Council and your role in it? Of course. So the AI Council was set up in 2017 off the back of the AI Review, which was written by Dame Wendy Hall and Jerome Pacenti. Um, the, she recommend, the, 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 the report recommended three different units, the Office for AI, which Shana will talk about, AI Council, which I am the chair, and the Centre for Data Ethics and Innovation. And um, we had uh, some, some really great meetings when it first started, then there was a, the, the, the global pandemic where we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to support the AI community and make sure that the AI community supported the rest of the nation. Um, and in June, when we sort of last year, when we lifted our heads up from that immediate work, we agreed that um, we needed to set our collective vision for how the government uh, could and, and maybe uh, should develop AI in the UK. And so began this sort of amazing process of writing uh, the AI roadmap. And I think it's important to say we, we wanted it to be a where to play, not a how to play. The roadmap was really not ever meant to be a, a strategy nor an instruction manual, but instead a sort of a series of signposts and strategic direction of travel. Uh, ultimately, we, we made 16 recommendations, but the main one was to write a national AI strategy. And Sana will talk to you a little bit about how that was received. Really important to note before we move on that the council was founded on this sort of understanding that we would not just be the 23 members, but we would be the sum of more, you know, more than the sum of our parts and we would amplify voices from the wider community. So that um, that the, the, the roadmap was not just the 23 members, but actually you yourself was a, you know, we, we loved having your input um, and we had 450 other individuals who inputted into that process. So um, we're excited for the next phase and working with you more on it, really. Fantastic. Thank you, Tabitha. And Sana, can you give us an overview of the mission of the Office of AI, your role, and the, the little um, tidbit of information Tabitha um, held there around the AI strategy for the UK? Um, so, yes, I am Sana Karagani. I head up the UK government's Office for AI. Um, the Office for AI is a joint unit, and it sits between the Department for Business, Energy, and Industrial Strategy and the Department for Digital Culture and Media and Sport. So that's DCMS and Bayes. Um, and we are responsible for the UK's AI strategy. Um, our mission is to drive responsible and innovative uptake of the AI technologies uh, for the benefit of everyone in the UK. 
And we do that through engaging organizations, fostering growth and delivering recommendations around data skills and public and private sector adoption. Um, and as Tabitha alluded to, one of our key advisors um, is the AI Council and their roadmap that was uh, published in January called for a national AI strategy as one of its main recommendations. Last week, Oliver Dowden, who is the Secretary of State for DCMS, announced his 10 priorities for tech and we were number six. And by that, I mean, uh, number six was about creating a national AI strategy that would be published later this year. So this is our plan to make the UK a global center for the development, commercialization and adoption of responsible AI that we're going to publish later this year. And it really builds on the AI sector deal, which is the work that uh, the Office for AI started uh, with the help of the AI Council. Um, we in the office will be drafting the national AI strategy through consultation with key stakeholders across industry, academia, and civil, civil society. Um, a lot of the times the AI Council's role in allowing us to reach that broader community um, is, is hugely helpful. So we, we rely on the council very much for that um, and for the, the, the um, interactions and doors that they open. Um, and we are very, very willing in, uh, to speak to kind of anyone who wants to talk to us about this. So please do come forward and talk to us. Um, the strategy at the moment, we have um, a website that's taught that, uh, that talks about kind of the areas of focus, which um, there are three. One is around growth of the economy through widespread use of AI. One is around ethical, safe, and trustworthy development of responsible AI. And the last is resilience in the face of change. So this is really through an emphasis on skills, talent, and R&D. Um, so a lot of the recommendations that the council um, has set in their roadmap, the 16 recommendations, um, will be, will, we will be looking at and testing throughout this process. Fantastic. Thank you both. So just coming back to those recommendations, Tabitha, you, you mentioned the recommendation to write mm -hmm. an AI strategy. It's great to see that's already now in plan. Um, can you discuss the key themes across the other recommendations that the Council made in the roadmap uh, and what the focus of the roadmap you think um, should be? Of course. So we... Um we looked at sort of four broad uh, pillars and then an enabling factor. So we we recommended um, within skills, scaling up public sector investment uh, in fundamental AI research um, and committing to sort of a 10 year program of a uh, high level AI skills building. And that was that's really about finding and rewarding and encouraging more of the best research to happen here in the UK. We then looked at sec uh, section on the adoption um, and how do we increase by capability across all the sectors, all company sizes, including a specific uh, recommendation around public sector, um, as well as supporting the AI startup vendor community in order to um, make sure that we're creating the, you know, the, the next set of AI focused unicorns in this country. 
Um, and then we looked at three sectors. Uh, we really, um, it, was, uh, it was an interesting challenge whether we were going to look at sectors or not, but it became incredibly clear that we uh, wanted to recommend a deeper look into how um, AI can support the healthcare system and the NHS specifically, uh, but also meet the net zero carbon emission and the climate, climate crisis and keep the country safe and secure. There are the, the, two, uh, the two other sort of enabling um, areas were around data, as, as, um, uh, as we obviously know that we, can't, um, we cannot work unless we accelerate the infrastructure and the governance needed to increase access to robust, data, diverse data sets. So there's a, there's a whole section in on that. And then um, my personal, not allowed personal, favorites maybe, but the, the one that I, am the, the, that I have spent a lot of time thinking about is um, the, the challenge we now have um, I've always had around making sure that we get trustworthy AI and that the public are able to trust companies uh, building AI. And there's a section in the roadmap around how we describe this as being enabled through public scrutiny. Um, and we talk about how in order to have public scrutiny, we need to have an engaged public and we need to have a public that understands enough about AI even if they aren't looking to build it, but they want to work with it or work alongside it or play uh, and live effectively with AI. So those are kind of our themes. Yeah, quite broad in their um, goals and objectives. And um, you've probably set out quite a big task for <laughs> yes. not just Sana and our team, but but actually the whole of the UK to really meet these. And I guess if we, if we can deliver on all of these, we're, we're going to drive a a fantastic impact on the economy, society and the planet um, through through the work. So I guess, you know, you, you touched there on kind of public engagement and, and trustworthy. And, and Sana, you shared earlier about the work you were doing in terms of the timescale of developing the AI strategy and work to engage others, both through the council, but also more broadly. Um, could you share a little bit about how you're going to approach that um, to make sure those voices have a chance to contribute to the strategy being built? Yeah. So uh, at the moment, we have a number of roundtables that um, we are conducting with the help of the council to speak to um, specific groups around you know, various topics. Um, we hope to engage a wider array of these through um, organizations that we have um, that are uh, have come forward and want to help. So like the Westminster um, e-forum and like Tech Nation and Tech UK and Ada Lovelace and Alan Turing Institute, just to name a few, um, you know, and, and I, I'm sure I'm missing others. So, um, you know, please, please excuse that. But a lot of um, these organizations have come forward um, to help engage in the in these conversations, to help engage the community in these conversations, and I think it's really important. And one thing that we've uh, that's always been important for us is making sure that we aren't just hearing uh, from one voice. You know, so it isn't just the industry perspective that we're getting um, when it comes to uh, looking at AI across the economy. We we need the voice of um, academia. We need the voice of civil society. We need the voice of um, uh, researchers. We need the voice of all of these different groups to, to really come together to give us that full view um, and including the voice of government itself. So one of the other areas that we're working very closely uh, with 
is colleagues across government who are looking at this problem from different perspectives. So whereas the Office for AI, with the help of the council, is looking very much broadly across the whole piece, um, we have colleagues that are looking vertically down specific um, areas. So we have the NHS AI lab, for example, who is looking at um, AI when it comes to healthcare. And we have um, colleagues in, in Department for Transport who are looking at connected autonomous vehicles. Um, we have colleagues um, in, in GCHQ who are looking at the uses of AI technologies for security. And the integrated review just came out um, this week as well. So there are there is a lot of uh, pockets of work across government um, and a lot of other horizontal work, which will tie very closely into the things that we need to enable a proper AI ecosystem, like the innovation strategy or the plan for growth, which are uh, pieces of work that are being led through different bits of government, but very much uh, will work together with the work that we're doing in the AI uh, on the national AI strategy to ensure that we're not recreating the wheel or we're not trying to create policies that other bits of government are leading on. Yeah. And I guess that the skills has been touched on both the work that, that Tabitha has done uh, and will be a key part of that strategy. Skills in lots of areas from, you know, the research end through to the skills to understand how to adopt AI across industry through to the application of AI in certain um, sectors. Healthcare is a classic um, where actually clinical expertise is, is equally important, if mm -hmm. not more so than elements of AI um, expertise. Uh, and the general public, and, and we've um, done a little bit of thinking around uh, what we see in Scotland around a data citizen and a data worker and a data professional and, and that importance yeah. of, I guess, our people understanding enough to have the confidence to explore that that trustworthy um, element. Um, and one of the big challenges that, that all three of us have spoken about in the past is diversity. Yeah. Um, diversity traditionally in tech industry and, and that has perpetuated into to AI as a, as a, as a particular branch. Uh, and previously, Sana, you and your team had launched the Industrial Masters for AI in 2019, yes. um, a collaboration again across various parts of the government and other bodies. Can you give us an overview of, of how important that launch was and the progress that you've made and how you potentially see that evolving as we go forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, of course, you know, Gillian, that 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 program was very much inspired by the program that Data Lab runs as well. So we um, have spoken about this quite a lot. Um, and the Industrial Master's program is brilliant. Um, and what it did for us was, uh, was really unlock a conversation between industry and academia to say, what is it that industry actually really needs? And that, that program has been very successful. And uh, we um, have companies um, involved in this. We have 133, so far 133 MSc students um, have been funded through this scheme. Um, industry partners have funded an, uh, a further 11 PhDs to add a thousand new PhD students funded by through UKRI. Um, we have uh, industry companies that have been involved for now for the, the last two, three years. Um, and the, these companies are growing. And as you said, we um, are working and collaborating 
across government to to have this um, program up and running. Um, but another thing that's I think really important um, to to touch on is that one of the things that happened as well off the back of introducing the industrial masters program is that last year, um, last autumn, the the government. Uh, which was essentially a program that was led by the Office for AI, working with the Office for Students, which is part of DFE. Um, we delivered funding for 18 universities from across England to support the development of a new AI and data, um, data science conversion course. Um, and we refer to these as the conversion courses. This was another uh, of the recommendations that was made by Dame, Dame Wendy Hall and Jerome Pacenti in the in the review, in the 2017 review. Um, and this was really about bringing non-STEM backgrounds um, into AI courses and giving them that opportunity to, um, to, to A, really uh, create that interdisciplinary vision we all have for kind of creating AI applications that you alluded to, whether it's health or um, in another field. Um, but it also helped, there was a, also a uh, some money in there for um, so we the funding was two thousand for two thousand five hundred graduates, but it also included a thousand scholarships to increase diversity and attract students from underrepresented communities. Um, the 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 best bit of this is that in autumn this thing went live, so right in, in September of twenty twenty, so right in the middle of the um, pandemic, um, and we still were completely oversubscribed in terms of the number of people coming in. Twenty two percent of the total students that that came forward were awarded scholarships, and of these, seventy six percent of the scholarship students were women. Nearly half of them were black students, and almost a quarter of them were disabled students. So to really, you know, to, to touch on diversity, this was the, the one time we put in a, a, an actual lever to increase diversity in this area. And so far, it's been um, the results have been amazing. Um, and this is one of the areas that the council recommended in their roadmap that we need to double down on. So one of the, the key things from the roadmap was, you know, don't stop doing the things that you've done so far because they're working. So yeah. do keep doing those, but also <laughs> do more of this. Yeah, that's exactly Absolutely. I mean, didn't those, make it easy. <laughs> no. Well, the, hey, when you see those successful numbers and and literally just looking at the gender one, that's turning it on its head, mm. um, upside down in terms of what, what a classic course would would normally be. And those conversions, I think, also bring. The diversity of thoughts. So you coming from some of the other backgrounds that, that the three of us have talked about yes, before exactly. in terms of um, mm. social scientists and hum mm. uh, humanities and, and other roles which are really, really important in terms of AI. But I guess, you know, diversity is a challenge. Uh, and Tabitha, beside your work on the AI Council and COGEX and all the other things you do, you've also written a book um, in the last year and a half or so uh, about how to, talk to, <laughs> how to talk to robots. So, mm. Tell, for those that maybe haven't seen it or haven't bought it, um, I'll plug it for you because I've got a copy here, actually. Oh. Um, our, our listeners can't see it, but it is here. Um, and uh, tell us a bit about the background to the book, why you, you wrote it and, and what's been the reaction since you launched it? So <laughs> it's really... Um, 
it's really interesting uh, for, you know, I get to sit at this intersection where I get to, as a non-technologist myself, you know, I don't code, I'm not an engineer, I am an arts grad. Um, I have had a front row seat as to what's going on in the AI industry. So I'm like well aware of the tsunami that is um, that is coming and is already here in many cases for many, many uh, people. And my my fear was that the women that I knew who weren't in technology or weren't even really thinking that technology uh, was impacting them at all were being left behind. And so um, I wrote How to Talk to Robots really as a, as a, as a handbook. It's called A Girl's Guide to, uh, to, to a Future Dominated by AI. And it's not... Um, Although it would have been worthy, you know, someone needs to write this this book. And there are other initiatives about getting women into artificial intelligence and being the people who are building it. This is much more about trying to encourage um, women and girls to understand how to live alongside, work alongside AI. Um, and the, 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 the impetus really came from um, the publisher who actually heard a talk and was like, I don't get any of this. And I was like, no, because the publishing industry are not told about this. And so we, we, we kind of worked on it together. And I, um, I've been incredibly lucky uh, because, the, uh, because what it has enabled me to do is actually go and talk to schools and women's groups and um, into, into corporates and, and explain like, this isn't just for the, 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 the as you might see, the nerds in the corner this is for you and you have to get more involved and ai is different to other generations of technology whereby you know they you know, other other ways of tech didn't need so many different elements of society to get involved in the creation but this does as you and sana just rightly pointed out and so this is just one of my chinks in the armor trying to get more people to start thinking about um the fact that ai is for them and it's happening and they need to they need to get involved in 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 um in the roadmap, we we uh, we identified this challenge, um, and obviously, a book is not going to solve solve it. But we have been recommending um, an online academy, um, similar to the academy for um, that the Finnish have elements of AI. And you and I have discussed this in the past about this need to give you know give people just enough information to be consciously able to make decisions about what technology they're going to use. But also, and what I'm really excited about next is we need to give them enough information so they can have a dialogue and government and technology companies can listen. And this is what's so cool about the next phase, I think, um, is that if we, if we excite, enlighten, you know, engage um, the public, I think there's a huge amount that we can, we as, um, you know, the, the AI ecosystem can learn and potentially, you know, if we if we build community first, we could create products that are community for the community. So that's kind of where I'm going with it all. Yeah. And, and the reaction so far to the launch and the feedback you've received? It's been amazing because why, my dream was that it would be in the, in the tills at Topshop because I wanted it to be like a kind of um, like Trojan horse, like somehow it got into people's handbags. And, and as you said, the listeners can't see the front cover, but it's sort of fun and doesn't look like a tech bro book. Um, and then obviously the pandemic happened. So it's not in the tills at Topshop, but, you know, it's being spoken about by Vogue and Stylist and, and it's, it's hopefully getting into the, the, the narrative of Grazia and, and the, the places that women don't usually expect to have to be confronted by technology. 
Um, I don't know what the actual AI ecosystem think about it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a little lowbrow for them. Um, you know, the ultimately it was meant to be. Um, you know, it's it's not even a primer. It's the introduction to make you want to pick up the primer. And at the back of the book, there's like a whole chapter of uh, book recommendations of other things that if you're excited by the concept, you'd continue to go and look at. And you, you mentioned, you know, the AI environment or, and earlier you talked about industry listening. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the key things. Do you, mm-hmm. in, in the dialogues that you've had with industry, do you think they're really ready to listen? I think it's, it's a really interesting question um in light of karen ho's recent article on facebook um for the listeners who haven't listened she spent months and months and months interviewing the you know safe and ethical teams at facebook and she came to the conclusion at the end which was that there are good people doing good work and they are really trying to do good trustworthy ethical ethically sound work but they come up against two challenges one being there isn't an impetus for them to do so so the regulation isn't there So I think there's a lot of work for the companies to divert their huge amount of resources to listening to the people and putting the people first and not profit first. That's going to need a lot of work. Um, And then the the second challenge is that the people don't yet quite know what they want. (laughs) So if people aren't engaged enough to understand, and I can't believe I'm saying like don't know what they want as if they don't know what they want, but they did. But um, when we make decisions about the food we eat in the shop, we're given the information about like whether something's fatty or because it's got like a red sign and the orange sign shows you that it's not great, but it's okay. And the green shows you it's good. We don't have that for technology. So it's very, very hard for people to work out how they can voice their opinions when they don't have the basis of which to do that. So I think companies aren't motivated to listen yet. But if we start to, if we you know when they start to see like, people turning off their Facebook, they will. Um, and that is, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm so in the middle of the bubble. I think it's happening, but it's probably not, you know. <laughs> We've got to remind ourselves of that. Can well, I I, quick, quick, yeah, sure, Sana. Very, I, I think what, what Tabitha has so brilliantly done with her book, which I love, um, and I, I, I have on my bookshelf because it is very beautiful, um, is that is just to, to start changing the conversation, right? Because uh, for, for many, many years and for way too long, right, the conversations around tech had bring images of, you know, mm. and I, I apologize for this, but um, the, the developers are all white and men and they're great at what they do. I mean, really great. And we still need them and, and that will never change. But I think what we need to do in order to change the dial on diversity and allow more people in is to say that, you know, they have a place and it will, it'll probably always be, um, you know, occupied by mostly men, not all, but mostly, right? But there's a whole landscape of other people that need to and, and must be part of this conversation and must be part of building these solutions and must be part of figuring out what the answer is to, to the, the challenges that we face. And if, if their voice isn't heard and if they aren't involved in figuring out what these challenges are, those super smart people who are doing the development won't fix the right challenges. Right. Right. And again, I'm not saying that the rest of us aren't as smart, (laughs) differently smart, right? We are, we are thinking about different things. We have different education. We have um, different expertise, but all of those voices are required. And that did like that, 
opening up the circle to to ensure that it's interdisciplinary and that um rep and representative is what we need to do and so crucially for artificial intelligence technologies you know not not just from a bias in the data set perspective but just from how we solve or how we approach challenges yeah absolutely and and we learned a lot during the public engagement phase of the work we did in Scotland last year on Scotland's AI strategy which brings me nicely to um we're having this conversation just a couple of days before we do launch Scotland's AI strategy so excited it's exciting uh, and we're just in that last mad panic of getting everything ready <laughs> for the launch on Monday um but it'll all go smoothly i'm sure but that public engagement was really really critical because at its outset we wanted the AI strategy to work for the people of Scotland and that puts a different tone it's about that inclusive uh, the inclusiveness of it is really really critical so um, you know you both were fantastic contributors to to one of the working groups the join the dots working group aptly named that mm-hmm. actually we need we are never working in a in an isolated bubble in these environments that is very joined very connected um and uh, across ecosystems geography i guess um what do you think the key opportunities and kind of integration points are between scotland and obviously the uki strategy that that will follow later on in the year so it's tabitha i'll come to you first Oh, I think it's, I think Sana's Sana's the one who's got the pen. Um, my job in the council is to is to you know keep uh, put, putting the right, interesting, more people in front of Sana and the team. But ultimately, she needs to and and her amazing team need to navigate that. One thing I can say though is I would love to um, to dig into the public engagement work you did. How what questions you ask? How did you ask them so they didn't just generally already. And come with it um personally and i and i don't speak for sana but the, the ai council would love for that information to be um included in the process Definitely. absolutely so happy to share that um one of the really interesting things um and we probably can explore this at another time because i think this is really important we had some workshops multi-generationally in the same family so actually you know teenagers mums and dads and grandparents That's really interesting and you know exploring that w- was was really fascinating but i guess sana you know joining the dots between yeah. scotland uk and and even more so internationally as well. You know, we, we don't exist in a bubble in Scotland nor in UK. We're part of a, a global environment. And um, a lot of times with tech and certainly AI, there's often no borders at all. That's right. So That's right. what do you think the op- opportunities and, and key integration points are? Um, well, I think, you know, one, one, and I totally agree with Tabitha, what she, what she was saying is um, we have some learning to do from you guys. And I think, uh, you know, making sure that we hear the pro- about more about the process that you've gone through, how you've made, um, ultimately made the decisions that you have and, and, and where and, and how you did your prioritization and stuff like that is all very, very helpful. Um, not only to make sure that, you know, we, we follow by your good example, but also to make sure that whatever we do is additive um, and, you know, it necessarily doesn't pull us in a different direction because ultimately we are, you know, the UK is one country and, and um, we should be working together when it comes to, um, it, it, it to, to kind of fostering growth in these areas. Um, and, you know, when we talk about, for example, um, the, the excellent universities um, that s- sit across the UK that help create 
um, the the innovation that we've all seen across um, AI technologies, there's a number of them that sit up in Scotland and we cannot go uh, talking about them without without referencing some of them there. So, um, you know, I think there is a, there's a lot of learning that to be had. But more than that, I think there is something about um, ensuring that the opportunities and the work and uh, that our researchers have um, or across the whole country, right? So that there is collaboration between these universities, that the, the challenges that the UK faces in a global environment um, are, are done from collectively across the whole country. Um, and I think these are things that, you know, between um, all of the different countries within the UK that we we come together and do that together and and join up on that. So there are many, and and we work very closely with um with the the Scottish government and with you know the work that is happening on AI etc. So you know I hope to see that continue and I'm uh and yeah it, I think it'll be a, it'll play a hugely important role when it comes to the global landscape. Um, and just to answer, just to reflect a little bit on the global question, um, it's you're absolutely right. You know, there is no boundaries for for technology anymore. And I think more and more, the countries across the world need to start recognizing that we need to work together and ensure that policies, regulations, standards um, that are in place for these technologies um, are also you know, at, at a similar level um, across these countries. And so we are part of, the UK is part of the, the Global Partnership on AI, which um, Tabitha sits on one of the working groups. Um, and there are, are, are many representatives across the UK that are part of the various working groups, which brings together like-minded countries um, and starts to ask questions about how do we cooperate and collaborate um, on global challenges. Um, because you know, global challenges which don't don't stop at um, thing the, the the UN SDGs, but that's a really great place to start. It, it requires cooperation, right? And it requires collaboration. So not only from a diversity perspective, but in in order to be able to address some of these problems. So yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. that collaboration piece is hugely important to us. I think one of the existential challenges at a global level is the is the climate emergency and and uh, the the road to net zero and you touched on that earlier in terms of one of the sectors tabitha um we've got cop 26 coming to glasgow in november mm. really excited about that too um can you give us a flavor maybe of of what you would love to see ai in that context you know going forward tabitha it was one of the three alongside healthcare and safe and secure yeah. um what about that that real big challenge for our planet? Mm. The I think the moment that I got engaged in really truly engaged in AI, not just in data science, was when I heard Demis Asabas talk about the fact that AI could solve things that humans had never been able to do, like the climate crisis. So for me, I don't get excited about the to solve things that humans couldn't be able to do. <laughs> like I need the like the like the climate crisis in order to um, to excite me. And so for me, this is about like two things on the ground. What can we do? But also really imagining like what does this look like? It, it, 
there's, there is no end to where I believe that AI can be involved in the climate crisis, whether it's like reducing uh, emissions, thinking up new ways of building, um, uh, building um, non, you know, non-plastics to detecting fires to um, the work that ODI did on um, on uh, ivory trade. I mean, it's 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 kind of endless. Like every time there is a problem, and I never believe this in anything else. Like I'm not the kind of, oh, just wave AI, the magic fairy wand and <laughs> things. Um, but in this space, I kind of feel like, um, I kind of feel like it's, there is um, a real, uh, there is a real opportunity for us to look at every single use case. And PwC and Azim Azar did a really good um, report on kind of where every single use case could be impacted. Um, and so I guess what I'm hopeful for is that we can start to see some of that come to fruition. And it will obviously take time, but we don't have that long. The other thing I think in this space that's really important, and I couldn't say any of that without also admitting that AI uses a lot of energy. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to um, seeing more ideas come to the fore around how we can reduce the um, the impact that AI itself has on the environment. And that's quite a contentious thing to have a conversation about. Like we all know what happened to Timu at Google when she had tried to have that conversation. So um, I hope that the more we can kind of bring that conversation into the light, the more people can have it and it stops being such a difficult conversation to have. Um, next week, we actually have a workshop um, that the council is convening for the Office for AI to get feedback on this exact topic. So hopefully watch this space and we'll come back to you with some, uh, some answers. I know that we have definitely engaged with um, I think your team to make sure that there are people from um, from your from your uh, world also included in that workshop. Excellent, looking forward to that definitely. And Sana, are you looking forward to the the opportunity that we have hosting COP, you know, in the UK um, in Glasgow later this year, as to to the potentially whether it's unlocking or emphasising or um, accelerating that engagement at a global level through the global group you're part of. Yes, hugely, hugely. Um, like Tabitha, and uh, you know, this is a, a very close to my heart. You know, I have children, and I want them to be part of a world that is as beautiful it is as it is today, if not more. Right? Um, and uh, and 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 I also think, you know, and I uh, and I always say this is that when we talk about AI, just you know, just as as this nebulous term, artificial intelligence, it's really hard to connect to it. But when you when you bring it down to the applications, when you can when you bring it down to here is a use case, here is here is um, something that you can do using these technologies. I think that's where it really resonates with people and it really kind of brings it home and it inspires them to get involved, right? Um, one of my favorite use cases is um, a Google one where they um, have these old phones that they kind of stick up in trees um, and they basically record vibrations and sounds. And so what, what that does is it alerts um, rangers in parts of the Amazon to illegal chopping down of mm. trees, right? Awesome. And it's just such an like such a beautiful way of a reusing technology that already exists, right? So that that comes into like recycling silicon and 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 you know mobile phones that are not being used, but using artificial intelligence technologies and um, you know distilling huge amounts of sound data to be able to 
figure out when the the vibrations are not a woodpecker, but actually somebody chopping down a tree within a certain radius so that they can alert people. And it's just such an amazing thing to see, right? Um, another is is um, census, right? Being able to tell in incredibly remote parts of the African continent where very um, remote tribes might live that don't have any access to technology, but using kind of imaging um, uh, technologies and, and using artificial intelligence uh, imaging techniques to, to figure out uh, how many people live in these environments and, and how sustainably they're living and, and whether or not they need aid, right? I mean, just for census reasons, it would be great to know how many people actually live in the world, right? And so it's, uh, you know, I think it's just incredible that some of this information is now available to us, right? Um, not to mention the, the work that they're doing with weather, right? Um, it's just incredible. So I think these applications and, and COP offers that opportunity to really bring home what you can do and hopefully inspire an, a, a whole new generation. I think your point on case studies is excellent. And I, I love gathering all those little stories. You don't need to go particularly deep on them because actually the headline, you know, are, are enough uh, and most of them to, to I guess, engage with other people uh, to, to explore them and, and to be inspired by them. And the, for me, they uh, help, should we say, balance the dystopian view of, you know, they're the robots are coming, AI is coming and they're taking over the world and we're all doomed. Um, and clearly we have to be very conscious of ethical, trustworthy AI. Um, but here's here's the big question to end on. You know, so we're sitting here in 20 years, hopefully together, um, maybe with a nice, uh, lovely beverage in front of us, whatever that might be. And we're looking back on the previous 20 years, the three of us have in the, in the work that we do. What do you think the single most impactful thing or focus on AI could create for society? Sana. <laughs> Tabitha got to go first on the other hard question. So you give me this one. <laughs> um, I'm, I might steal one from somebody else because we've been asking a similar question to people. Um, and, you know, wouldn't it be great if in 20 years time, um, we all had kind of a personalized robotic friend that can take care of all the things that we don't want to deal with and could deal with all the mundane tasks um, and, and allow us to kind of become more productive and, and, um, and face, face new things. Um, great. But for me, I would prefer a world in 20 years time when um, the opportunity available to to people across the world was was more equal, um, and if AI can pay, play a role in making that happen, so whether that means you know the people who need access to water have it, or if they need access to food, they've got it, or or education or whatever, but the, the fundamental human rights were spread out more equally across the world, um, and I I don't think you have to go far for that to to, to start making mm. that kind of thing happen, and I I think AI can play a big role in that. Fantastic, that's a great answer. Equality at the at the heart of that answer. So, and Tabitha, what mm. about you? I think Asana has nailed it. I mean, if if AI can go anywhere in reducing inequality, 
we've officially done our job <laughs> um, uh, or it's it, it, the AI community has done its job. Um, and I really wouldn't add anything else other than what we've already said, which is also reducing carbon emissions and re reaching net zero or, or better. Um, so I think, um, I think we've touched on those things and they are fundamental to what we are all trying to do. I'm sure you could do a podcast with other people where this question doesn't repeat everything else we've said because you've talked about other things, but ultimately we have in our own like essence, this is what we're all three of us are trying to do. Yeah. Um, so I have no new one. <laughs> it's the fight is big. Well, it's a big fight, uh, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, um, One's a charm, three, three's a result. So I'll go for the equality one as well. And, and if we can do that, that would be amazing. So, exactly. Uh, so, you know, it just leaves me to say an absolute massive thank you. Thank you, Sana. Thank you, Tabitha, for joining me today. Um, I hope everyone's really enjoyed listening. Um, for those that, that uh, you know, didn't catch it, please tune in and catch up on Scotland's AI strategy um, and uh, get involved in the creation of the UK AI strategy with San and her team. Um, the, the more voices, the more contribution, um, the more robust and reflecting um, us as a nation it will be. So thank you, Sana. Thank you, Tabitha. Great to have a chat to you this afternoon. Thank you. Thank See you, you soon. See you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.